Hi, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism. Mm, delicious. Yes. Hey, Marcy. Yes. It's getting a little hot outside and kids are out of school. Love, lust, and tomfoolery is in the air. Mm. And, um, you know, here at the Colored Pages Book Club, we have decided to start our summer short series. Hey. <laughs> where we will be discussing short stories, comics, and other forms of light literature written by... Writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, colorful backgrounds. You see what we did there, guys? Yes. You know? Yeah, um, we, we like switched it up and like made it cute because like the <laughs> summer short because we're cute, right? We're cute like, that. <laughs> like we're podcasters. Yeah, so <laughs> so like we kind of mentioned, you know, throughout the summer, Aqua and I are both gonna be, you know, we're, we're both transitioning in some pretty major ways in our personal lives. So yeah, so we're gonna just like you know talk about some like shorter, lighter pieces of literature that you all can like read while you're like you know on the beach or like you know doing whatever mm. like over the summer, you know, just like some cute, cute, cute little things. Doing your road trips to the Grand Canyon, you know. Hey, listen, listen, if you got it like that, do it. So this week, we're going to be discussing a short story called Drinking Coffee Elsewhere by ZZ Packer. So just like a little bit of context on the short story, as well as ZZ Packer herself. Um, Drinking Coffee Elsewhere is a short story written by ZZ Packer and was first published in The New Yorker on June 19th, 2000 in the magazine's summer debut fiction issue. The story was also included in Packer's 2003 short story collection of the same name. In 2005, ZZ Packer received the Guggenheim Fellowship in Fiction. The book, Drinking Coffee Elsewhere, was met with critical acclaim and was chosen to be a part of the Today Show's book club. Author George Sanders wrote that the collection is a, quote, true cause for celebration for those of us who feel that fiction exists to crack the world open again and inspire us with new love for it. So... Mm. Mm, all right, George Saunders. Right. Just, just feels good in your mouth. So, yeah. Mm. So, basically, so even though we're doing shorter stories um, for the summer, the, the format is still going to be fairly similar. We're both going to just talk about kind of what happens in, in the story or the comic or whatever we're doing that week. Um, and, yeah, just give you all our, like, our opinions and our unfiltered thoughts and things of that nature. So, drinking coffee elsewhere. So, yes, let's jump right into the summary section. So, Drinking Coffee Elsewhere tells the story of Dina, a black female, possibly queer, but most definitely troubled freshman at Yale University. And, I mean, <clears throat> for all of us who uh, did that university life, weren't we all troubled? Yeah, I, I'm troubled. <laughs> Still Even troubled. Now, right? <laughs> right. Did it end when we all these years later. <laughs> so the story focuses on her trying to process love, loss, sexuality, a little bit of love, and identity as a black woman in a predominantly white community. So mm. Dina gets to Yale and immediately, as many of us did who went to PWIs, and for those who do not know, a PWI is a predominantly white institution. So Dina gets to Yale and feels immediately out of place during orientation. And of course, you, Marcy, you remember orientation. We're doing all those freshman oh games. She already guffawed. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, it's like you meet these motherfuckers and then you're just like instantaneously supposed to be best friends despite right. having like no commonality or actual connection. It's just like, oh, mm. we're just like arbitrarily friends now. It's just like, is this like how the community works? Like, I don't, I don't think so, but whatever. Right. Um. These forced interactions with other people. So, <laughs> of course, you have to right. do the, the classic trust fall game, which. I never enjoyed either. And then they also had they also played this odd game in which they had to choose which inanimate object they would be, which to me was already a ridiculous That's game. That's a setup. 
That's that's a setup. <laughs> so Dina, our girl Dina, was already skeptical about this trust fall and refused to participate. And then when they asked what inanimate object she would be, she answered that she would be a revolver, which immediately lands her in both therapy and a meeting with the dean. <laughs> now, <laughs> she points out that, honestly, the reason she said that was because the architecture of this place reminds her of a time in which most of the students probably owned slaves, which... That's she's not wrong. That's not false. I mean, Dina never lied. Like that's Dina like never lied. I mean, that, that, that's like a fact. But you know. So the dean was not buying it. So she he makes her go to therapy, and also because her roommate was unimpressed by her response. Also, she now has a single room, and counselors who check up on her unannounced, which also seems more stressful than it would be helpful. But you know, yeah, I guess in the early two thousands, do what you got to do or what you're going to do. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so now, like, Dina has the room to herself, which, honestly, Mama was just like, I don't give a fuck. This is perfect. Like, I didn't want to room with a bitch. Anyway, so, perfect. So, one day, this student named Heidi shows up, and Heidi is just, like, just, like, hysterical. Like, she's, like, crying, and she's, like, knocking mm. on Dina's door, and she's like, oh, my God, let me in, let me in. And Dina's like, who the, who the fuck is this? Like, like, what? Like, I don't talk to anybody. Like, literally, Dina is the epitome of a misanthrope. Like, she mm. literally does not fuck with people at all. Like, she, like... She's, like, friends who are those. Like, she's not really impressed with the institution. Like, she, in a lot of ways, so Dina originally is from Baltimore, and she kind of describes, like, this being almost, like, sort of, like, a culture shock experience, like, being at Yale Mm. and, like, kind of being forced in this, like, elitist, like, weird bubble. So she's not really connecting with people. So Heidi literally shows up out of nowhere. Dina begrudgingly opens the door, and then Heidi confesses how, like, she was, like, slut Shane because, like, apparently she, like, went to, like, a party recently and like sucked the weenie of like this boy and then like people are calling her like a hoe and like it's this whole thing and so basically Dina doesn't really offer any particular like support when Heidi's telling you all of this like she she doesn't really say anything and then like Heidi just like spontaneously decides like oh like we're best friends now so she's like oh we should like get like lunch and then like Dina's like girl I don't eat lunch and he's like oh like we should like do a thing and like Dina's like I don't like I don't do these things but then basically Heidi (laughs) just like kind of aggressively asserts herself into Dina's life to the point where she like doesn't really really have a choice no I, I guess they become friends if you can even really call them that they didn't really start off as friends, but they do eventually become friends, like genuinely mm. actual friends. I would say so. And so so the two of them start working as dishwashers in the in the dining hall. And around the same time, it's interesting because so the so the story does a lot of parallels between what Dina is currently doing in some of her therapy sessions, which kind of also like goes into like some backstory pieces of her life. And so around this time, Dina is suspicious that her therapist, a doctor by the name of Dr. Rayburn, I guess suspects that she's queer in some capacity. And so, Mm. you know, he's just sort of asking her like, Oh, like, have you ever been like interested in someone? Not even necessarily in like a romantic capacity, but just like, you know, have you ever had like a vaccination, like, you know, sort of, any sort of like I guess stronger feeling. Honestly, Mr. Rayburn gives him a, her a lot of leeway. She, <laughs> Mr. Rayburn's like, have you ever liked <laughs> something at all? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 have you liked a dog girl? Right. Like, and then like, of course, Dina's being annoying as fuck. It's just like, oh, like like Dina's just really snarky and like is like just not here for the bullshit. So basically, like throughout one of these conversations, um, I guess Heidi reminds her of this. She starts thinking about this boy that she met when she was like sixteen, which was what like maybe like two years ago. Basically, there was one day where Dina goes grocery shopping. And there's a local grocery store that's like really close to her house, but like she, so she uses food stamps and she's not really, she's not really proud of where she lives and she hates going to that particular grocery store. So she always likes to go some, so back in Baltimore, she would always go somewhere across town. 
So she goes to this grocery store across town. She, like, buys some food, whatever, whatever. She's kind of walking outside the store, and it looks like she's struggling with her bags a little bit. So this boy, who we never really learned the name of, but he has really mm. nice shoes, shows up. And is like, oh, like, I don't mind, you know, helping you carry your bags back to your place. So, like, if you're cool with that. And the thing is, like, Dina, like, liked him. Like, like not even, I'm not even sure if it was really, like, a like an attraction per se. But, like, there was something that she found fascinating about him. Like, she found his, like, energy soothing. But she was, like, so petrified at the thought of him, like, seeing where she lived that, like, like she literally ran away and, like, in the process, like, dropped all of her groceries and, like, eggs and shit, like, splattered everywhere. And, like, rather than, like, picking them up and, like, going back to her home she yeah. just like leaves the groceries there and then it was interesting because when she got home like she told her mom like oh you know i lost the food stamps and her mom was like oh girl it's okay it's okay you know maybe we can like search the couch and see if we can grab some change because you know we have to make some food by the time your dad gets home and so dina's parents have a really shitty dynamic in that mm. so currently dina's mom is actually is actually dead and i think i want to say she died of cancer yes. or like kidney failure yes, or yes. something like that cancer and basically it's it's not really even implied, but it's basically stated that, like, Dina's mom, when she was alive, like, her relationship with her husband, like, they, they like, it was an abusive relationship. Mm. And Dina kind of suspects that, though, yes, she died of this, like, medical cause, that, that in a lot of ways, which is, like, caused by the accumulation of stress throughout the years of having to live with someone like her father. So Dina just has a lot of just, a lot of distrust, I, I would assume, around men. And just, like, yeah, there's a lot of, like... There's a there's a heaviness there. there yeah. Like Dina's not just like this empty Daria character that's like I just hate everyone because of no reason. But like people in her life are kind of like disappointed her in some pretty profound ways. There's definitely some trauma that she has to work through. I like that you said that Daria reference because I was really thinking about that in her tone, in mm-hmm. a sense that she has the same sort of emo disenchanted tone as Daria, but. Daria, at the end of the of the series, if you ever watched it, her reasons for being that way make no sense. You're like, so oh, really? You come from, uh, no, but yeah. Like, there's one, I think it comes to the end of the story where she was like, I think she ends up apologizing to her parents because she's like, I don't actually, you I actually have no reason to be this, like, upset with y'all because you both provided me, like, with a good income and, like, copious amounts of care. And <laughs> I actually don't know why. Like resources. <laughs> right, and resources. <laughs> and so, and it's... We can get into this in a moment, but it's just interesting to um, compare that with black emo or angst, (laughs) which I think oftentimes Mm. comes from a very real dark place and gets very short shrift in the American pop culture medium. But any case, we should probably finish this summary. (laughs) Let's finish the summary real quick. (laughs) So one day when Dina and Heidi are working as dishwashers, they find a mouse in in the kitchen, which I guess they find mice in the kitchen often. But this time, Dina has Heidi help. Which is like gross, but like whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Just like like eat gad, but like anyway. um, (laughs) I guess bitches don't care. Right. They're like, this is a common occurrence. But this time, um, Dina makes Heidi help her kill the mouse. And... Heidi just wants to throw it in the trash and let it smother to death. And Dina's like, no, actually, it's more merciful if you snap its neck and let it die quickly, which also reminds her of her mother's death and how her mother had a prolonged sickness and what that Mm. meant. So that's an interesting concept. And then later on, in a kind of pseudo or very sexual, sexual awakening moment... Super sexual. Super sexual. <laughs> Dina decides Dina decides that they so they're washing down the the kitchen with hoses, which again, um Yale's kitchen situation it sounds like a hot mess in the early two thousands, but like, right. But, like. So they're like washing hosing down the whole place and then um 
Dina says, well, why don't we just, I was going to take a shower after I left, but why don't I just like take a shower here with these hoes? So she takes off her clothes and has Heidi wash her down with water. And then she tells Heidi to take off her clothes and she washes her down as well. And, you know, after that, they kind of become closer. They start sleeping in the same bed, but not really making any sexual advances. But it's definitely, you know, mm-hmm. romantic of a kind. But then Dina sees Heidi coming out as a lesbian outside on the quad one day and immediately pulls back from her and avoids her and stops talking to her Mm. until Heidi one day shows up crying, telling her about the fact that her mom has cancer and that she's dying. So during that time, Dr. Rayburn, who honestly is a low key kind of a G (laughs) he's like, like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, Dina, I'm going to check you because you really are pretending about almost everything and all of your emotions and kind of quote unquote drinking coffee elsewhere, just sort of flattening your emotions and spacing out on life. So, so Heidi invites Dina to come to her mother's funeral in Canada, but Dina gets there and she kind of sees her other queer friends and then becomes defensive and moderately homophobic and then leaves and they get in a stupid fight and she doesn't go to the funeral. She goes and moves back to Baltimore with her aunt. But she thinks Mm. of Heidi every day and kind of imagines a kind of future where Heidi does come and knock on her door again. And the story ends in sort of a bittersweet note of longing and a hopeful future Mm. self-acceptance kind of situation. Yeah. And just really quickly, so... The reason why Dr. Rayburn had checked Dina when she went to go see him for one of her last sessions was that after Heidi was like had told her that her mom had cancer, basically Dina responded in this way that like was really minimizing. Like she was like, Oh, it's like not a big deal. Like she's like says something to that effect. Mm. And so Dina was like, I don't know why I said that. Like I literally meant to say the opposite of that. Like, why did I say it didn't matter when it like clearly mattered? And I and I wanted to say that it mattered and, and I thought it mattered, but I just didn't say that. And then Dr. Rayburn, that's when he was like, Well, you're so used to pretending, you're so used to like not really confronting things for what they actually are that like even when Mm. you have these moments of significance your mouth defaults to what it's used to saying so if you're used to just kind of minimizing everything and pretending that things aren't that serious then like that's what's going to come out initially if you you know in these serious situations and the reason why the story is called um drinking coffee elsewhere was because when dina's mom died the day of the funeral she was given some milk to like settle her stomach, but she didn't want milk. So while she was drinking it, I think it was both symbolic of what her preferences were at the time in terms of like drink, but also like what was happening with her mom being you know, no longer being alive. Like she was imagining herself drinking coffee in this like other place where like people like spoke Arabic and like it was it was just kind of like this like I'm drinking this milk, but it's like I'm going to pretend like I'm drinking coffee in right. this like other spot. It's, yeah, it's definitely like a disassociation tactic. And it's kind of yeah. evident that she's been doing this for a very long time. Right. And it kind of makes you wonder a bit what, like, if this, if this, like, disassociative behavior is so customary, like, you know, it kind of it implies that there's, like, sort of a deeper heaviness in Dina's mm. past that perhaps, like, hasn't really been explored in this story, but, like, it's, it's kind of assumed to be there, given, like, how that's just, like, such a default thing for her. So, so yeah, so it's really interesting. So why don't we take a quick break and yes. we will jump back into our discussion section. Sounds good. Okay, and we're back. So, Marcy, I just wanted to, I thought maybe it would be important for us or me to state my intention since I am straight and I don't want anyone to think that we are just throwing around the word queer in the offensive Mm. way that maybe (laughs) 
many people have heard the word used as an insult. We actually mean it in the restorative way that's been used recently or the reclaimed way it's been used to include the LBGTQ plus community and all people who feel like they're outside the heteronormative narrative. Now, it, mm-hmm. if in fact this word has been used as a slur against you, we apologize. We we actually mean no harm or offense, but we, we did want to state our intentions and to give you that knowledge. So, yes. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But speaking on that, so I actually struggled a little bit with this story at first because Dina is actually quite homophobic when she speaks in a lot of ways to Heidi and to the mm-hmm. community in general. And I think we both get the underlying sense that she is, in fact, queer and struggling with internalized homophobia. Well, internalized a lot of things, to be honest. <laughs> Dina is not, expre- right. is not expressing <laughs> a lot of the things she's feeling. But one of the ways that comes out is in sort of this brashness towards Heidi when she is out and towards other queer people at her school. So one member of the LGBTQ community sees them sitting together and brings them an invitation to come to a party and she immediately gets defensive. And so I was a little afraid of reading this for that reason. But, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that coming out and finding out who you are isn't an easy process and it's not an inoffensive Mm -hmm. process. Like you stumble and fall through it. And I think that you pointed out that that's an important narrative to hear right and like that's and so that's yeah kind of why i was very much like yeah like we we should we should talk about this because i think in a lot of in a lot of ways when you have queer identified people in media like it's i think sometimes you know it's easy to default to oh like this person's like identifies as queer they valiantly feel their queerness like there's like you know they kind of overcome sort of the the unlearning process Mm. sort of necessary to to really confidently have that identity and it's just and i liked that in this in this short story, it's like Dina. So Dina never says anything like overtly like heinous, right? Mm. Like she's. It's just like just from her actions, you can tell she like some things make her like a little bit uncomfortable, or like you know, even when she first met Heidi, she was like, she like asked her if she had cats because she was like, oh, like lesbians have cats, mm. and she figured that like she was like, oh, Heidi looks quote unquote looks like a boy and blah blah blah. So she was just kind of making these assumptions and re- relying on these stereotypes, and I kind of like that this sort of showcases, yeah, like it's not always a graceful process and right. even in, in in with Heidi it's like you know she she sort of seems like she's a bit more comfortable with her queer identity but even then at the v- beginning of the story versus who Heidi is at the very end of the story like Heidi right. I mean I don't know how she identified at the very beginning but you know th- there was all this these complaints about like she this like boy sucked this guy's dick and blah blah yeah. blah and then she then later she was like oh we're actually dating and then at the end she was like I'm actually a lesbian and here are like my whole here's my whole like group of like queer ass friends you know it's like everyone was kind of growing and like sometimes that process can look like a Heidi where it's like mm. you know it's a bit more it's a bit easier to kind of like find that community and like it's a bit more in some ways <laughs> slightly more graceful and then sometimes it can look like a Dina where it's like you really have to actively work on the assumptions that you have not only about yourself but about other people who, mm. are, who are like you and so I just for me I could relate a lot to this idea of like you know none of us are like I mean, it would be amazing, right, if we had a world where people could just be self-realized in their right. queerness and there's not really a struggle. You could just be queer and it's, like, not that deep. But, like, we just have to acknowledge that, like, in this current state, most of us, you know, have to kind of go through that process. And it can, yeah, like you said, be a bit clumsy. And so Dina – and the thing is, like, Dina's given so much backstory and context that, like, it's like you get it, right? Mm. It's like it's like if Dina hadn't been characterized in this way, I think yeah, it would be easy for me to be like, "Yo, Dina kind of sucks." Like, ew. But like, you kind of see what her background looks like. You sort of see, you know, how relationships have been modeled throughout her life. It it's not. 
out of the, the realm of possibility. It's not like completely unfathomable that she's someone that like, you know, she kind of struggles with a lot of these things. I agree. I agree. Especially being from a community where, I mean, based on her assumptions about queer people, I could imagine <laughs> like the, the, the ideas around queer people weren't one where it's like, yeah, you just go to a queer like rally and just like profess your right. queerness to like a whole community. That's true. And I think also there's two another sort of underscoring here of like whiteness that like Dina Ooh. didn't necessarily have access to. Like Heidi could easily, yeah, like join the queer student alliance and, you know, be in this like queer thing. And it's like, you know, that side of herself is very like she sees herself visibly in those around her. But like Dina being sort of outnumbered in this context, it's like it, it, it adds that additional piece of like. I mean, yeah, like, I might be queer and these people are queer, but, like, are they really, like, my kind of queer? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, are these people really... Not to say that I can't gain anything from this community or I can't build community with these people, but, like, this isn't as accessible for me as it is for Heidi. Like, even when, for example, at the very end, like, Heidi was about to go to that funeral, like, Dina rolls up and, like, meets her friends. Dina, again, is just kind of, like, just sort of short, kind of, like, just is kind of to... The blunt to the point like kind of can rub people the wrong way and her friends were very like visibly uncomfortable like like one of her friends tried to like assess the situation out and then Heidi had to be like oh no she's cool like 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 she's fine so like, it was like even then in this situation it's like Dina has to be vetted by Heidi in this like queer space right. you know what I mean like it's like it, it kind of showcases that like this isn't like I think sometimes people make the assumption that like the entire LGBT, LGBTQ plus community is like so united and like so embracing of everyone when that like is not mm. like like those racial divisions those other types of divisions are still present it's just we might share the shared experience or identity but like there's still issues kind of going on right so right. so yeah i think zz packard kind of handled that really in like a really interesting way that kind of made me sympathetic to dina and whereas in most cases i feel like i wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> be sympathetic to someone like dina right. so so yeah that scene made me think too this is like the fact that Heidi is to be protected and Dina isn't, again, just like smacks of that sort of dichotomy between black women and white women and that white women mm. are to be protected. And even in this space, it's being perpetuated, even in this queer space. So that was something that I was like, oh, OK, like, let me start with Dina for a moment. And then more than that, I was thinking this character I really like because you don't see it very often. And it's to that point about actualization. I don't think black girls are it's so much like black girl magic like black girls are amazing black girls stunt black girls flex and you're like yeah we do mm -hmm. all those things and sometimes we also get really really sad and not just that but sometimes like i know growing up I, we talked about this my like black girl angst y'all don't know but akko had her like skater hat long board listen to dark emo mm. music phase like <laughs> hang out at hot topic <laughs> and at the same time there's and I, I don't think that 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 sort of goth punk black girl is not given a lot of space in our society because that space also can be well can and is often very racist and homophobic mm. and so you can't sit there either but you have this angst and this anger uh, justifiably right like dina's life there is angst and anger there's class issues there's loss there's probably being smarter than the other black kids and not being able to fit in but then coming to this mm. school with these other black kids and being like y'all are my people either so I love that that narrative exists somewhere and I don't think it exists in enough places. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just, yeah, it, it was such an interesting backstory. And I also just thought that, yeah, Dina's relationship with the other black students was just really, it was really fascinating. Mm. Cause even for example, during orientation, like 
it was described that Dina had, there was like another black student like in, you know, the orientation group where they were like doing all these games and like all these shenanigans and nonsense. And this other student, like he was like, so like, he was just like eagerly, wow, me, oh my God. He was (laughs) eagerly nodding (laughs) to sort of everything that was like going around, like everything that was like kind of being said. So like, you know, one of the white students would be like, oh, like I want to be the earth. Like, and he's like, yes, girl. Like, yeah. Like he was just like, almost like aggressively supporting everything right. around him to the point where it was like, it was kind of almost like he's overcompensating for maybe mm. some latent discomfort that's somewhere. Mm. And like Dina was like, girl, no, like I cannot. And even there was like another scene where like Dina was with Heidi and walking into the dining hall, which mind you, Dina never ate in the dining hall. Cause she's like, why would I be around people when I could literally not be around <laughs> people? She like, basically one of the black students was like, Oh, so like, girl, I guess I just won't see you until graduation. And then she was like, well, that's if you graduate. Which didn't go well. Like, like clearly that student was in his feelings. But, like, it's it, again, it was one of those things where it was, like, one, I mean, the shade, Dina, shade mm. just comes to her so quickly. Like, it was, like, it was literally nothing. Like, I wish I was the kind of bitch who can, who can like, come up with a read so effortlessly and seamlessly. But, anywho, I just, it was interesting because that, for me, I, I think why, why I really like this short story is that it, 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 it resonates so much. Even though, I mean, this was released, what, in, like, yeah, early 2000s. I went to college about, like, a decade later. And all of those things are still so resonant. Like there were so many times where in undergrad, especially going to a PWI with Akko, like (laughs) where even though I, you know, obviously like am for black people because bitch, I'm black. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like (laughs) there were times where like I felt like because I wasn't positioned in the right way socially or because I wasn't part of certain groups or I wasn't like in quote the community or in the scene, sort of like in this like aggregate sort of heteronormative way. It was like I somehow had like, pledge my allegiance to whiteness and like was therefore subject to shade by other black people it was like the weirdest thing where i was like you know growing up in atlanta i was always surrounded by black people so like blackness was so the norm and so default that it didn't even it literally did not occur to me to like have to specifically look for like you know meet other black people when i got to college because like oh black people just be there <laughs> and so <laughs> it was it was interesting because i was like for me i'm like isn't it more productive to create a like a truly inclusive community where it's like if you see someone that's black who may not necessarily always be at quote the black things or doing the black student whatever it's like we still have love for that person because we understand that they're still here rather Mm. than isolating ourselves and being like oh we're the ones who are down or who are about it and then this girl has like this like white lesbian friend that she's decided like she's gonna like be with them you know like it's like that whole thing is just so like and and I, i get it you know these are college kids they're still figuring out their own sort of things so like that process isn't always graceful but like it it is things like that were just really resonant for me especially considering that like I know for me personally it was like I felt like in a lot of ways I did have to almost choose between like am I really trying to like rep blackness or like queerness slash like gender equity Mm. you know it's like it felt like those two couldn't exist in the same pool a lot of times not saying that they there was no access to that kind of space but it was like it it made it tricky right like because even if I were to go to sort of the like a lot of the black spaces and events like the heteronormativity of it all made me really uncomfortable and then i graduated and i was like oh my god wait there are like queer trans people of color look at god (laughs) like you know like it was for me it was like it wasn't yeah really until my like more recently in my life where i was really able to find people where it's like okay i actually don't have to choose between anything and like even if like people aren't necessarily like queer or trans identified or like maybe don't necessarily identify as black it's like i've met people regardless of their social location who just like understand that like there's no need to make a choice here like that choice right. isn't fair it's not really it's not a human choice to ask someone to make it's like when you're both 
that kind of person. Mm, that I, was a whole thing, but yeah, it no, just, this book no, just yeah, this story just really it. brought up a lot for me. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree. I think having also gone to the same school with you, there was definitely a strong heteronormativity in the black community that we are in and not a lot of intersectionality as far as queerness was concerned. But then on the flip side, right, I feel like the queer community that we both kind of hung out with and, and saw was not particularly intersectional either right like it definitely mm. had it had a lot of privilege it had a lot of disregard a lot of lack of understanding about <laughs> being black right. or really a lot of things honestly mm. classism so when dina was talking about sitting there and being like these people do not understand what i'm talking i mean marcy i remember one time someone was really railing on me about not having eaten hummus before and i was like is this really a <laughs> social status symbol? Like my consumption oh of my God. crushed chickpeas? I'm not, <laughs> I'm really not seeing what about this would make me lower or higher class, but you're really stuck on it. So mm, that's so, itch oh my God. No, that's so fucking real. Yeah. There were so many times where like, even just like music, I remember going to mm. parties where like people would like, be like, I remember, oh my God, I remember I went to this one thing called, it was, it was like some like, I mean, also looking back, like Marcy, what the fuck? Like I was like <laughs> at this like sorority, like power hour, like beer thing where it was like, you would take a shot of beer every minute and like every minute they would play like a different song and you would all just like scream along and like sing the songs and then like take a shot of beer and then like progressively you would get drunker and drunker and then everyone's just drunkenly screaming whatever <laughs> throwback music. But all of the, all they were playing was a lot of just like, I, like I literally didn't even know the niggas they were playing. It was like I think it was maybe like ACDC or like Aerosmith, some like just like old like rock shit that I was like I did not listen to any, any of this. Of and it. there were so many moments where like I would not know a song, and people would be like, "Oh my god, how do you not know the song?" And I'm like, "If I play some Aretha Franklin right now, would you know Thank what, what you. was happening to me?" Like it's like you're like young lady, like do not say like it's like a bitch. Listen to music. Thank like, you. Real <laughs> music. Just, we listen to. We just listen to different music. And, like, there were just so many moments where I was like, am I, like, in the Twilight Zone? Like, why right. am I the only person in this room that just does not right. understand what's going on? Marcy, remember that one sorority party? Oh, maybe it was a fraternity. I don't know. It was some type of already party. And we rolled up. Already? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we rolled up. And they were like... I thought they were kidding. They were like, "Well, we gotta get our we gotta get our percentages right, our, our ratios." And they almost oh. didn't let you in. Oh my god! I remember that was the moment. Yes. The two of us were like, "What the actual? What?" Is, I was like, "I is this a? Am I watching the CW right now? Am I? Is oh this my a joke? <laughs> oh my god!" And I was like, "Bitch, am I in the Archie comics? Thank you. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, I right, literally is it was 1955? like, right? I was like, "Am I actually in the year 1628? I like, couldn't. what the fuck is going on right now? It was." I remember, oh my God, I super remember that. Yes. Yeah. And do you remember there was no good music when we got inside? Do you remember? <laughs> right. We had to no start our food. own dance party. I was so like, what is behind these oh gates my. that we should have cared about? Oh my God. Such and, a mess. and even like the idea of like having to ask, oh, is there going to be dancing at this party? Mm. Makes no fucking sense. Now to me, does not make any fucking no sense. sense. I'm like, what the fuck is a party? If not, if dancing, it like. He's not involved. A party, but not dancing. Like, it's just a kickback. Like, that's it's not even a kickback. Like what? Like what? I'm like, listen. I'm like, it's a kickback. They're just different words mm. we can use. <laughs> it's just, it, it was so wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's just like such a huge culture shock when going to these institutions. I mean, I mean, shit. I remember like when I first showed up, there was a Burger King right across the street from our dorm, and I remember like everyone was like, oh yeah, girl, the Burger King is super lit for like when you're just like really drunk and want junk food. Like yeah, like Burger King's like where it's at. And I'm like, but also, what if you just like want a Burger King for dinner? You know what I mean? Like it's like people like. Like, like, people eat 
this like mm. as like meals like so why are we doing this thing where it's like oh like i only do this when i'm in a very particular place where it's like it was like the idea of like you know if we if we got dinner at like a cozy or like a panera it was like it was like we can never like just like if i literally was like oh girl do you want to just like go to burger king for dinner right. like people i feel like people would be like what the fuck is wrong with you like what the fuck? like especially also being black too it just like add, i don't know there's just yeah. so many things where we're just like wow like people really like just kind of grew up differently like this right. is like but like in a way that like isn't like like i could grow up differently from i mean shit even you and i Akko, like we grew up in like some mm. pretty significantly different ways but at the same time it's not in a way that's like exclusive it's not like i see sort of your, like your different outlook on something and i'm just like oh my god like what you've never had helmets you know what i mean like it's like <laughs> it was never in a way that was like isolating i feel like that's right. what it is it's, like we can acknowledge differences without making it isolating whereas i feel like for a lot of people that we went to school with like it was just like like they were so surrounded by people who like had the same or, or very similar experiences so that like when they found people who uncoincidentally unco- also probably like cross racial lines and like just had different experiences and they're also greatly outnumbered in this institution it's easy to kind of be like oh but see no you're the issue here like this is a you thing like you don't know what's like you're not in the loop kind of thing and i'm just like but like who made the loop like who was like was that part of that meeting? Like, like what? <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. It's, just, it's so, so interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so, and like, it's funny because I look back on college and like, I, you know, I don't have any regrets necessarily, but yeah, it was, it definitely wasn't with a lot of difficulty that I graduated. Like, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I think I completely agree with you. Like, there was almost a sense that they were coming to college to get this new experience and that we were the experience. They're like, ooh, what's that? I re- mm. Multiple occasions where I see they would say to you specifically, like, what's that term mean? Like, what's that word you're saying? Oh my and God. I was like, oh my God. girl, he said receipts. <laughs> Even if you didn't know what that meant, look at the context. Like, right. what is a receipt for? Okay. As he's saying it, it clearly means evidence of the uh, like situation that occurred. I don't understand why you. we need to really... I was like, I don't need to get you a dictionary. Like, we can figure this out. <laughs> Context exactly. clues. And, oh, my God. And then it was always like, and it was always like this backhanded compliment kind of thing. Almost mm. like, a, oh, like, you like use such, like, spicy and colorful language. And I'm just like, but also, like, let's not eliminate the communities where this language comes from. Like, I did not. Like, mm. people literally made it seem like I, like, had this, like, linguistic laboratory where I just, like, put together, like, potions and spells <laughs> and would, like, come up with the new lingo. It's like, no, girl, this, like, this has a history. And I, like the way I speak comes from a place. Thank you. I mean, sure, there are certain things that I would say where I was like, okay, that's like a Marcy thing. Like, mm. Marcy is just doing that. Like, like whenever I'd be like, girl, I'm just like a cactus. Like, girl, I don't know. And then everyone's like, cactus? Like, do, do, do black people say cactus? Right. And then black people would be like, we, we, we actually don't say cactus. That's like, that's like that's a, that's a that's literally a Marcy thing. We don't thing, claim but, uh, cactus. <laughs> right, we actually don't claim cactus. Um, like, I mean, she's part of the community, I guess. But like, I mean, ugh, she kind of wilded out a little bit. But like, you know what I mean? Like, but for the most part, a lot of the words that I would use, like, had... Yeah, there was like a, a history there, and I just felt yes. like it was really frustrating to have that kind of be erased in a lot of ways. It, it, it's just, it was so. Oh my god, it's just so fascinating. Also, I feel like we're like we just like we're like oh yeah, like drinking coffee elsewhere, and then we just like start talking about our own personal experiences <laughs> in college. But like, I do want to. I I really like the point though that you said earlier about sort of like black angst and like how there's not really like a lane mm. for that. Like it's like there's just like. Or, or at the very least, like when black young people experience angst, there's like, yeah, the, like there's not really the patience. There's not really the, like, there's like this assumed danger. It's like it usually yes. kind of comes from like a more serious place. Like the, they thought she, they really. I was like, it's two thousand. How many of these white kids are running around saying all sorts of stuff at the school, and you chose the one black girl who mentions a revolver to, <laughs> put her in therapy? Like she's the danger. Exactly. 
just so many things where it's just like, wow, this is really, this is really interesting. I just, I, yeah, this, oh, this story just brought up a lot. <laughs> right? I, I was like, oh, this is, this is only a couple of, not even pages, but it's deep. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I just, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it was really fascinating. But I think, and I know it's like, we did do a deep dive into our personal lives, but I think that is kind of the essence of the story as well. It's, it's this question of how, as a black person, as a person of color who's also queer, how do you become in such a white space? You know what I mean? When in a place right. that's already very contradictory or adversarial to your your existence. And I think, I will say, thinking about how things have changed since this book was, this short story was written, I do think mm. when we were in college, it was easier to disregard the rules without being as heavily penalized like i i feel like mm. the two of us often were just like well that sounds like how you want us to do things and this sounds like how we're gonna do things and, right. <laughs> and i don't know if dina had that space in this novel mm. in, in this time just because i'm thinking about the early 2000s and that sounds like an animal of a kind you know oh my god yeah no that that is real shit and also i think dina quite literally has to kind of like I mean, aside from Heidi, pretty much, yeah, has to navigate all of this by herself. Mm. Like, at the very least, like, we were able to sort of, like, like, I like I had, like, people like you to talk to, people who I could, like, kind of process with that, like, understood what was going on. Like, it was, like, yes, like, we were certainly, like, in the minority at the school, but also, like, we had each other. And Ugh. I think Dina... Yeah. It's, like, when you're so isolated, it does make... It, it makes it even more of a beast. It, ma- it makes sense why Dina's, like, or I could just eat ramen in my room. Mm. Or I could just not interact with people. So it's, like... If I have to go outside and there's just that beast there, if I stay inside, I'm safe. But then, like, at what cost, right? You know, it's like it's just, it's it's really. Mm. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think you're Marcy. You're so right because I remember. Do you remember that one time we? It was the two of us. It was cold. Uh, where we went to school was very cold. But the two of us had decided. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the two of us had decided that we needed to stand outside at like 12 a.m. and talk about our realization that we were in a very white, very not like, <laughs> yeah, not a very restrictive <laughs> place for four hours. Like that's what we did, and I think mm-hmm. we needed that moment between the two of us, but also. I don't know if Dina had that. Like, I don't know. I, I, she clearly didn't in the story have that space to kind of find that out. And I, I don't know if it's because of the time period. I don't know. I don't know. I, I a Part of me is like, but Marcy, we're kind of lucky because, like, we could have just as easily not have known each other. <laughs> um, very easily. So, right. You know, it's that's real. Yeah. And I think. I mean, honestly, yeah, like, I, I, I can't even imagine what it's, like, I think, I would say, I mean, granted, I didn't go to college in the early 2000s, like, I don't quite know what it was like, but even, yeah, just, like, the cultural attitudes around queerness, yes, were changing, mm. but even then, I mean, it was, it was like, right. it was not a graceful <laughs> transition, <laughs> and it, it still re- re- remains a transition, Ooh, um, and so it's just one of those things where it's, like, yeah, I can, I, I, I can imagine that, like, I mean, that choice that I alluded to earlier, right? Like, you know, having to sort of like pick between different sides of yourself. I can imagine that was even more right. profound and like relevant for Dina, like at that at that time. But, but you know, I hope everything kind of works out with her, you know? I think... Well, she must be fine. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, like it, it just kind of points to like how, you know, we all have different ways of like guarding parts of ourselves, right? Like mm. Dina like is more overt about it. Like she's more like, I'm going to be really snarky and like clearly 
not give a fuck about y'all's opinions. I'm like, y'all can like do this thing <laughs> where you like raise alarm, but like we all have these different ways in which we like Ooh. guard our past and like you know don't feel the ne- like we like keep parts of ourselves like sort of closer to our chest. And so, Marcy, that's an interesting point. How do you keep things close to your chest? Oh my god. Um. So I. So being someone who's like a bit more, I'm like more naturally, I guess, extroverted. I would say sometimes for me, like. Sometimes I use like laughter and like humor to kind of like deflect things like or I'll like mm. use them to sort of like minimize like how profound or like, you know, like impactful something was to me. I think in a lot of ways, like I yeah, like my like my humor is a way in which I can like connect with a lot of people, but also is a way in which I can kind of like like in some ways kind of like just keep myself at it like a safe distance from from people. Um, not to say and the thing is, it's not to say that like I don't. It's it's such a funny thing because I think, and this gets into like a whole other conversation. But like I feel like sometimes, like, like, it, I would I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a guarded person because the thing is like I mean I have pretty profound conversations with friends very regularly. It's not hard for me to talk about my past and things like that. But I think sometimes you know there are just certain experiences or certain things that like you know if I just know you better I feel more comfortable more readily able to sort of talk about those things. Um, but rarely is there anything that I'm just that's just like completely off the table. A like, girl absolutely not. I'll never mm. I will never talk to anyone about this kind of thing. And it's interesting because I think that sometimes it has led to some tension in that people. I have met people, especially kind of recently, um, that I don't in some ways kind of feel entitled to certain pieces of information Ooh. about me, and so when I don't as readily talk about it, they make it like a thing. Like they're like, Oh, like you like don't talk about this thing. And I'm just like, it's not that I don't talk about it. I just don't talk about it with you. Oh. And like, I, it's it, like, you can't say that without right. sounding like a full, you know, like, but it's, it's like, true. But it's true. Like, I mean, there are people like, you know, I think, and it's funny. Cause like I, I have a friend who, you know, like love him to death, but like, you know, whenever like the topic of like sex or dating and things like that comes up, like, it's always like, I think also, like, I mean, this gets into a whole thing about, like, sort of, like, gay men and, like, kind of how they relate to one another and how, in a lot of ways, like, like sex and, like, this sort of, like, overt sexuality is kind of a way to, like, create community, which is, like, I'm not saying that that in itself is an issue, but I do think that sometimes it does lead to this, like, like, it's kind of, like, you're expected to share these details about your life which even mm. if you don't necessarily feel as comfortable doing so not necessarily because like you just in general just don't want to talk about sex but like maybe with this group of people that you don't know as well right. or you know maybe sex can be like a trickier subject for you like you know maybe you haven't had the best experiences you know like it's like there's there's so many things that can contribute to that and so i've had situations with this person where like sometimes it's like you know he kind of i feel like he almost gets like not offended but like you know kind of like it can it, it it can lead to some tension, right? Like mm. he is like he talks about sex very openly, and like he talks about like guys into very openly, and I'm not necessarily as forthright with that information. And then he make he makes it a thing. He makes it like oh like well see Marcy's doing that thing where he's being really secretive, and like you know I sometimes I ask you questions about dating, even though like I know you get uncomfortable, and I'm like I'm not I'm like the reason I'm getting uncomfortable is because you do that thing where you ask me questions to make me uncomfortable. Like that's why I'm uncomfortable, right? right? Like it's not because like this topic makes me uncomfortable. It's just that, like, we just have different, like, we just have different thresholds for, like, releasing this kind of information. And, like, you know, for you, for, like, Akko, I, I mean, listen, I, we have talked about dating many a time. <laughs> and, like, I've, like, told you the things. Like, it's not that I'm that secretive. It's just, like, in the situations where perhaps, yeah, like, when I'm still getting to kind of know someone, it's, like, I don't feel the need to always go into all of those details. And so I think that that's kind of how I tend to sort of like guard my behavior. Mm. And I think something I'm still trying to sort of figure out and navigate, but, but yeah, sorry, what were we going to say? 
No, no, that's true. I, I, I was gonna t- say on that. Like, first of all, it's a matter of becoming, right? Like, where you're always trying to figure out how to communicate with people and your and relate to yourself. Second of all, I don't mm-hmm. not like. There is also the fact that you're right. Not everything you want to share with everyone for a good reason. Some people take information and really weaponize it against you. Like that's a manipulation yeah. tactic. So it's not. I don't think it's it's wrong. Obviously, to keep things in. I actually think people should give space to people who don't want to talk about things like that's that's healthy that's friendship you know friendship i i i push back against the idea of friendship as ownership or knowing mm. knowing so much about someone so much like well if i don't know you how can we be friends and i was like I, right i feel like we can communicate on a different level you know we can feel each other if that makes sense but um that no that oh no that mm, that is i'm sorry that just again hits really close because <laughs> yeah like i i've been in sort of and especially like in a romantic setting been in sort of circumstances yeah where like people do kind of weaponize that against you or like you kind of realize oh this person knows a lot more about me than i know a lot Mm. you know than i know about them and it it does kind of contribute to a dynamic just wanted to put that in there but but (laughs) oh she's learning but um but how do you i guess tend to kind of guard your behavior when, when that comes up yeah that's a good question i think i i would call mine like a smoke screen similar to yours but what I will do is I will be proactive. So I'll ask you a lot of questions. I'll make a lot of mm-hmm. jokes. And what I love to do is I like to talk about a lot of nonsense. I just uh, piffy, <laughs> piffy nonsense. Nobody cares about it. Nothing's happening. We'll have a whole long conversation. And Akko said nothing about herself. And I actually got called mm. <laughs> I actually got called out on it the other day. My friend was like, Akko, you don't you pretend like you're telling everyone a lot of stuff and then we come out and we realize we don't know anything about you i was like what you guys (laughs) noticed and they're like we did after you know three years we know now and i was like oh dang well that's crazy and (laughs) i think i was doing it the other day and they're like so you're doing that thing you're doing and i was like dang i got red so yeah i definitely do like a smokescreen technique you'll get out of that you'll be like akko's great i love akko she's funny she's hilarious oh i feel so close to akko wait Wait, what's her last name? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, bro, that is so... Um, child, this is why we are friends, because, ooh, that <laughs> resonates. So when I tell you a bitch can ask questions for days mm. and give you, like, all time... Ta- like, I'm be the most engaged motherfucker in the conversation, but, yeah, I do... Th- oh, my God, I do that shit all the time. Like, I'm like, oh, let, like, let's just talk about... Let's talk about you and then, like, talk about things, but, like... The real, like, nitty-gritty, like, like, do you know my middle name? Like, probably not. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. like, it's like, that's so, it's like, it's like, it just makes me think of this, like, I, I don't know, this, like, illusion of almost, like, it's like your friends are, like, in the smoke screen. They, like, managed to bust out. And then, like, <laughs> next thing they know, they're, like, in this, like, hallway, like, of mirrors. And they're just, like, oh, my God. <laughs> and you're just, like, running around nefariously. Like, it's just, like, oh, look, like, catch me now. And they're just, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> You just be a person. Which is why I think Ray <laughs> missed Dr. Rayburn's point right, where he basically goes, and I think we've actually talked about this, where where he says, if you, what you practice is what you are. Like, you are not going to suddenly become an open person when you need to be mm-hmm. if you haven't been doing that. I was like, damn it, mm. Dr. Rayburn. Like, why'd you reach <laughs> through the New Yorker to tell me about myself? Like, who asked you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, like this bitch broke the fourth wall, and I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? Like, oh my god. So I actually had one mm. last question before we wrap up yes. our summer short. I wanted to know. I think Dino. We get to the end of Dino's story, and it ends on this sort of bittersweet longing idea of future acceptance. But I figure, you know, we're 
18, 19 years out from 2000, I, I wonder what advice could we give Dina, you know, 20 years in the future where things have changed about opening up, about dealing with your mm. issues, about finding that part of yourself that's repressed. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you. I know that's unfair because I just threw the question at you. Oh, that's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> what do you I think? I would say, well, first I would say, you know, hmm. I think in a lot of ways, I mean, it's, it sounds like Dina does have like access to a therapist, which is, you know, always, which can in a lot of these cases be very, very helpful. I'm not sure if Dr. Rayburn is the most compatible one. Mm. Um, so I would recommend maybe just finding someone who has sort of a similar respect for her boundaries that she has. Cause I think in some ways, Dr. Rayburn kind of just displays some like impatience with Dina or like he kind mm. of gets annoyed of her in some sort of subtle ways. And I think that like, finding someone that can kind of that understands like okay this is sort of like your background and also like i mean dr raven also kind of made some like like he was like oh like you're always pretending and like oh maybe it's like a survival mechanic you know like black living in a white world and i'm just like i, I don't know like i'm like do we like, <laughs> Does that need to, like be reminded of this right. in therapy like it's like it's like i don't know like so i'm like girl find like a black therapist <laughs> like and you know i think and i think in a lot of ways what helps is just giving yourself time i'm like mm. i very much push back against that idea especially in, like within like the lgbtq plus community where it's like oh girl you have to come out tomorrow or like oh i've been living alive for this many years and now it's time to like be my actual self i feel like that puts such an undue weight on people and when it's like and like completely dismisses like the circumstances and context that they grow up in like sometimes like yes you like like being out wasn't an option like that's just what it was you had to get through this right and yeah. so it's just like give yourself time and give yourself that grace um I would say, yeah, just I would say, like, the more Dina becomes more comfortable with herself, I think she'll be more open to sort of sharing more details about herself with other people. And I think also in some ways, too, like, yeah, like, if she can find some, like, find, like, a small community that works for her. Because I think it also, too, like, sometimes it's, like, you know, people are like, oh, like, got to work on you before you can, like, connect to other people. And it's like, but also, I mean, other people can kind of help you in that process, right? Like, you don't have to go through all of it by yourself. So I think that, like, yeah, just working on sort of growing more comfortable sort of like by herself but also just maybe putting some effort to not not grow not saying you have to be like queen bee like top of the popularity food chain but just like finding those people who are like maybe similar like have a similar sort of supportiveness as like a Heidi right mm. like someone that can kind of help you to sort of come into things and like may maybe that looks romantic maybe it doesn't and like that's fine um if anything it, it, it actually might be a little bit it might be easier in some ways if it wasn't romantic at least initially right like as you're like kind of learning to kind of work through this um but i was just say the biggest thing though is just like be patient with yourself give yourself time give yourself grace it's going to work out like you know things like you did what you had to do to, to sort of get through this to get through these circumstances and you know that process of unlearning can take time mm. but it's fine it's gonna you're going to get there and like allow yourself to open up in like small ways challenge yourself to open up in ways that you maybe hadn't before and it doesn't have to mean like oh like you tell everybody about your mama the day you meet them but maybe like say in a class like you're sitting by yourself you usually keep to yourself maybe like strike up like a quick conversation before class with somebody right like do like just do these small little gestures that kind of can help you to be more feel a bit more comfortable sort of in in, in that space and with opening up to people so so yeah
Ooh, Dr. Marcy came with the truth. Dr. Marcy had everything. No, that's a good point. I mean, I just want to echo a lot of the things you said, too. Like, it's just true. A lot of it is a matter of time. A lot of it is a matter of giving yourself space and, and grace and forgiveness and just not being so hard on yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I think for me, I, I really do think people run from vulnerability in a way mm. that is... And I understand being vulnerable is scary. And like we said, people manipulate stuff. But I, I sometimes you run into people who are so guarded that it's almost like it, they're taking a bazooka for a knife fight. You know what I mean? Like we did not, <laughs> we did not have to pull that out. Like, you know, you'll be like, right. oh, you know, what's your favorite color? And they're like, well, what's a color? You know, why do you want to know? And I'm like, oh, that's a good, I guess I don't need to know about you. You know what I mean? I think it's, um, right. it's, it's, it's letting yourself be vulnerable. I guess gauging when vulnerability is okay. When are there times right. when you can be open with yourself and it's not going to hurt you? Because trauma and and past things do make you kind of wary of doing it at any time ever. And so mm-hmm. you know, try to find little spaces. If someone asks you something about yourself and it's not detrimental, you don't have to lie. You know, you can just be honest. Right. What are they going to do? You know, my favorite color is yellow. Be mad about it. <laughs> like, Right. What are they going to do to you? You're like in a school newspaper, right? Like, it's like (laughs) no one's really going to give a shit. Mm. (laughs) And I think the last thing is just understand. I don't think we adequately understand the toll of lying to ourselves. And I think once I realized Mm. how costly that was, I started to realize like that I cannot afford to, to be this closed off because I am taking something from myself. I'm not getting something. And I always say this, Mm. I always say this, as black and brown people, as queer people, who benefits from you not knowing yourself? As people in general, honestly, in this capitalist world, who benefits from you not knowing yourself, having adult sense of Mm. emotions, and not going after what you really want? You don't benefit from that. Mm. Maybe, you know, the oppressive structures that we live in (laughs) benefit from that, but you certainly as an individual do not. So that's what Mm. I would say. Wow. <laughs> Damn, that really hit me right in the spirit. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. wow! And you know, I think on I think on that note, we can maybe just wrap oh, up. I agree. Like, Someone's driving to the Grand Canyon, wow. like that was like not expecting <laughs> all that. <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah, this is like honestly funny. It's like oh, like summer shorts, like super casual, and it's like the most personal <laughs> episode we've ever had. <laughs> um but i guess yeah but like that's i mean i'm into it though we like you know it's part of this journey so so yeah but um i guess you know before we meet again if you all want to get in touch with us you know maybe share some thoughts or reflections you had on the episode feel free to get in touch with us on twitter at the colored pages we also have an email at these colored pages at gmail.com um, and we also have a website at thesecoloredpages.com. Also, since we're, you know, doing the whole summer shorts thing, you know, we are taking a little hiatus on our books. So perhaps if you all have any recommendations of some books you definitely Ooh. want us to read, shoot us some things. And, you know, a bitch, we might amend our list. Like, yeah, you know, back just to let, school let us fall. know. Exactly. Let us know what you would like us to read. And we can we can definitely sort of accommodate um, in some particular ways. So, so yeah. Is there anything else, Akko, before we, before we fully wrap up? No, just stay tuned for more of our summer short series. And until we meet again, remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.